Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we're reviewing Tar, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And in this episode, we're talking Tar, which is set in the international world of Western classical music and centres on Lydia Tar, who is widely considered one of the greatest living composer conductors and the very first female director of a major German orchestra, as Lydia prepares for the release of her memoir and a live recording of Gustav Mahler's Symphony No. 5, her life unravels, revealing dirty secrets and the insidious, corrosive nature of power. Lots to unpack mm. in this movie. Well, Tar is written and directed by Todd Field. It also stars Kate Blanchett, Nomi Merlant, Nina Hoss, Sophie Cower and Mark Strong. Now, we had the absolute pleasure of going mm. to see this film back at the end of November with the one and only Kate Blanchett yeah. in attendance for the screening. And we were treated with a Q&A after the film, yeah. which I think for me really helped understand, try to understand <laughs> yes. the movie. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, we'll go into the Q&A a bit later on. But one mm. thing that she sort of opened it with was don't try to make sense of this film. Just right. go with it. Just go with That's it. That's what she said. Yeah. Which was good advice. Anyway, we'll unpack that <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. The Q&A also began by saying the film addresses the big questions of our species. Mm. Right. It certainly explores questions that affect us now, which yeah. is does power corrupt 
or is the person already corrupt? Right, yeah. Sort of nature versus nurture sort yeah. of thing. And that topic of how we celebrate the work of someone who has done deplorable things and abused their power. Mm. Separating the artist from the artistry. Which is definitely something that we're living right now yeah. with a lot of artists. And, yeah. and it's quite a confronting headspace to be in. Mm. And, you know, Todd Field is really throwing us into the fire pit, into tar, to be confronted by that through his nuanced mm. filmmaking uh, and ambiguity and wants you to decide for yourself. That That's my yeah. take out of this You movie. have to decide whether someone's work should be judged on the personal criteria and what happens outside of the work mm. or just the work itself. We're seeing that a lot now with people like J.K. Rowling and Harry yes. Potter, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson and his music. It's an interesting debate to explore and a really tricky one. Where do you fall? This is probably like a loaded question, but yeah, far out. it's too hard to sort of say either way. But Without cancelling myself, <laughs> I guess, I, I think it's really important to acknowledge the, the faults of, mm. of people. And we, we come from a culture of putting people up, literally in this sense, on a pedestal mm. or a podium in, in Tar's sense, and that's problematic in of itself. Mm. It's like these untouchable humans, these untouchable people who exist within their own world, mm-hmm. their narcissistic world. I mean, Tar is an upper echelon of that mm. sort of existence. But there's also art and beauty that's been created from these tormented, troubled, mm. evil people at times. And I think we should be able to separate personal life from their work. Yeah, there How about are, you? that's a very yeah black and white way of looking at it. Sure. There's so many levels to this and there's so many levels of the type of person. I mean, cancel culture mm. will cancel anyone at the drop of a hat. Right. So there, there are levels. I think in the case of J.K. Rowling, for example, mm. Harry Potter brought so much love and magic to people's lives and there are so many people involved in the creation of the films and the books and all that kind of stuff that, yeah, completely writing them off I don't think is the right thing to do but it is I important. Agree. Important to separate the person and what they've said from the work. And also it's important to acknowledge whether there's remorse shown. Yes, that's so important. Whether they're trying to learn and understand what it is that the problem is. Mm. Yeah, I don't know whether J.K. Rowling is doing that or There's not. There's no remorse there. Is it? She has yeah. a lot of work to do. I think a lot of what she's saying has been taken out of context, but there's sure. no denying that it has been hurtful it's to so a harmful. very large community of people. Mm. And so, yeah, there needs to be an acknowledgement there. There needs to be a learning. There needs to be a conversation. And she's not willing to yeah. have that conversation. And we need to believe the learning has been learnt. Yes. And put into practice. Yes. Not necessarily to like just silence her and it go away, but mm. I think she owes to be able to let us know yeah. that she understands she did wrong and she won't do it again. So that's one thing, a big thing that this film explores. But we're going in hard straight away <laughs> in this are. episode, aren't we? But you can't escape it because it's what the damn yeah. movie is about yeah. and you can't just like, you know, prance off out of the movie going, gee, that was a nice performance from Kate Blanchett. Like you have you have it with ideas, but you you have a lot to digest. I love it. I love how you were prancing then. I wish there was a video on it. You can prance while seated. I've proven it today. We have. (laughs) There is a quote from the character of Lydia Tarr that says, it's always the question that involves the listener, never the answer. And I think that's really interesting Mm. to unpack because it means that this question is not so easily answered. Right. Right? It's so true. Yeah. This film also flips the script on what we're used to seeing, which is men abusing power and privilege. And in this case... 
it's a woman. It's a woman. Yeah. What was that like from from your lens as a woman and that playing out in that sense? It was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting to see the differences, to see the similarities. And mm. yeah, it's all about the abuse of power and privilege. Yes. Yep. And whether you can get away with it mm. and how it meddles and infiltrates and infects other layers of your life. Because Lydia Tarr, yes, she's a conductor. She's about to be a published author, mm. but she's she's a, a mother. She's a mm. partner. So there's all these things that are playing in the background, but at the core is just this really sinister undertone of yeah. who she really is as a person. Quite selfish. Gosh, so narcissistic yeah. and insular. My goodness. At this point when we meet her, she is at the height of her career. Yep. She's an EGOT, so she's got like an... Emmy, Oscar, Grammy and Tony. Yep. And she's one of only 15 people, as they say in the film. There was also a bit of debate and confusion, which I found was quite funny, about whether this is based on a true story. Yes. It's not. It's not, no. But there are inspirations taken from certain people, I think. Which is a bit like, what if you were that person? (laughs) (laughs) No. It's a bit concerning. The film's an interesting dive into this world of a conductor too. It's not a conducting movie. It's not a music movie, but... Mm. You know, the conductor can often be overlooked as simply a metronome, someone who just keeps time. And I found it interesting to explore the profession as mm. being so much more. You are a fly on the wall, really, in in the whole movie, because you said it's not like a, a music movie or a conducting movie, but you do spend a lot of time mm. in rehearsal. But it's more of an opportunity to get a real deep dive into who Lydia Tarr is, how Mm. she operates, communicates. And then Todd Field plants so many seeds throughout this movie that make you look left and then look right, but wonder what happened in the middle in the the Mm. meantime. Because you have to figure out so much yourself in this film, which is challenging as a viewer, Mm. but also quite liberating and exciting. And the style of the way it's put together and edited too Mm. is that scenes cut very abruptly. Yes. So like you said, yeah, you've got to put together these things that happened in the middle. Mm. But you have to get through the entire film to piece as many of the puzzles together because there are some pieces that may never be put together. might be that corner piece missing and that's okay. You just have to be at peace with that. Mm. But it's not like as you go on, it's like, okay, this makes sense, this makes sense. You have to endure almost the full two-hour, 40-minute runtime of this movie for you to get a real like sphere capture of the story. Yeah, it's not entirely linear, but it's also Mm. not, Unlinear? Yep. I'm still trying to struggle with, <laughs> with where it was linear and non-linear. I think this is where it goes back to Kate Blanchett saying in the Q&A that don't try and understand it yeah. too much. Just yeah. kind of go with it. Mm. Um, and that brings me also to the language of the script, which yeah. is very specific and mm. jargon heavy, mm. which is authentic. But things like that are going to really polarise an audience. Did you find it really unaccessible as a result of that? Or were you able to just like kind of marinate in all those fucking jargon words that were coming at you. And it was a bit hard to follow in, yeah. in places as someone who's not in that world and doesn't know anything about that world. No. It was hard to follow, but I don't think they could have done it any other way because it would be dumbing things down. Yeah, because it's a really complex world, the, mm. just the world of music. But when you're talking about classical music and the nuances and the history around it, yeah. I think you've got a really good introduction in the opening of the film where mm. Lydia sits down with the journalist with the Q&A and you're like, okay, so this is the world we're about to get thrust into in mm. this movie. How pretentious and overzealous and ridiculous, <laughs> but it gives you a bit of a, this is what it's like. Buckle up. <laughs> I like the word pretentious that you used in there because there's a lot of philosophical questions addressed by Lydia yep. when she's talking to her students and things mm. like that. It's a very cerebral 
yeah. film. Definitely. And I had no idea what she was talking about half the time. <laughs> but boy, were you just so engrossed in everything that came out of her mouth. It was like being a student in one of Lydia Tarr's lectures and yeah. just absorbing all this information and trying to think and unpack it and think mm. what does that really mean? Mm. What question is that asking? What does that really mean on a larger scale? It was. It does make you think. And the way technically that it brings you into it and makes you feel like not only you're at fly on the wall, but deep, like just like you're there, you look around, you're in that seat, mm. is how the story is structured. There's this really, really long one-take shot at Juilliard where she is teaching mm. a, a class. You don't even get an opportunity to take a breath or a break from that class. You feel as overwhelmed as all the students in this yes. class, especially one of them who has a, a growing crescendo, if you will, argument that makes him like leave yeah. the room ultimately. Just ex- exhausting yeah. though to, to, to witness. But it also really challenges you to really think about the ideas that are being presented. God, yeah. Uh, you mentioned before the film is two and a half hours long mm. and I found myself both wanting her to get some comeuppance, yep. wanting to see how it was going to turn out and yep. also not really caring what happens. Ah, why do you think that is? I hit a point where just because I guess she's not a terribly likable character. Mm. I was enthralled in Kate Blanchett's performance yep. 100%. Like she's amazing. But, yeah, the story started to really lag for me and I mm-hmm. thought I'm just, I just don't really care yeah, what's going to happen to this woman. But also I did want to know. Mm. But I think it was just too long. Yeah, I, I think it was totally too long as well. <laughs> <laughs> we say this a lot, don't we? It was too long. It was too long. I wanted to go and get my nap in. <laughs> or go to the toilet. <laughs> I remember having to race out of there to go do a wee. But also I think you feel the length because the story is so thick. And yeah. what I mean by that is there's so much subtext going on. It's really draining on the brain. Mm. You've got the complex personalities, mm. the backstory in the language and the jargon, what's happening in the scene. There's a lot happening in every scene. Yes. It's an assault of the senses almost. Yeah, and there was a mystery playing out, whether a real-life mystery or just like a, a metaphorical mystery. But or just unravelling in her head. Exactly. Like you, the, the word thick is like that nails it. it it's thick and sticky. Oh, I don't know. That, that's just the feeling I get because, because there's like – these are questions I had and I've, I've written down as I was watching the movie, like, who is the red-headed woman? Uh, she receives a gift on a plane and freaks out. Why? It's mm. like they just plant these things. She starts hearing things. You hear screaming in the background. Then there's this scene where it plays out almost like a horror film mm. and you're like, what reality are we in here? It's, this is where it gets thick and, like, complicated and there's so much ambiguity. It's like, what does that mean? Oh, you're not going to tell me? Oh, fuck. I've got to figure it out myself. <laughs> I think that's the point, though, that it's showing her unravelling yeah. and you don't know what reality is and what's going on and what's mm. memory, what's real. Mm. That is the point. But, yeah, it can be a heavy watch. Yes, completely agree. Yeah. If you want to just briefly touch on, on the Q&A, we mentioned already that, you know, it's not an entirely linear story. There's abrupt scene changes and that's mm. kind of the point. And that they were also very clear that it's not a conducting movie. You mentioned something that Kate had said about at the beginning of the film, like the jargon and whatever. Mm. She said, and I just love Kate in how she communicates and she's so mm. approachable and down to earth. But she said something that really concerned me. She goes, I don't understand the film. <laughs> can if, if you know, can you tell me? And I'm like, well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like You are part of the movie. You are Tar. The movie's named after your yeah. damn character. And if you can't... Tell us, 
coherently what the film was about. And we saw this movie back at the end of November. So I was really concerned that this conversation was going to be really hard. One, because I was like, what did we just watch? And two, the time that passed in between. But I came to settle in in the unknown of this movie Mm -hmm. much more than I thought I would. Right. I struggled with the fact that it doesn't answer the questions that it's posing. Well, I mean, there's not generally anything wrong with that. Like you don't need to have everything handed to you on a silver platter. Sure. But I think with such heavy, complicated themes as power, privilege, abuse, you need to dive into that a little bit more and it didn't. But we're going back to the damn runtime. When you have a two and a half, two hour, 40 minute movie, Mm. you're like, how are there so many things unspoken or said or revealed Mm. like you you spent so much time laboring on these little nuances and then just leave them for us to figure out and i find that frustrating sometimes so as a top line sentiment would you say it was trying to pack too much into the film yes but somehow took so long in putting so many things in does that make sense like yes there was a lot going on in it like there were so many nuances in really long Scenes. Some might remember Todd Field as Belzer from Twister and a handful of others. So he's he's an actor primarily. Mm. He's been in Eyes Wide Shut, The Haunting, a few other films. He hasn't directed in 15 years. Yeah, it's a long time. Big gap. Not since Little Children, which starred Kate Winslet and Patrick Wilson, which have you seen that film? Yes, but it was 15 years ago, so I don't remember it. I really enjoyed that work. Yeah. It also tackles the dark aspects of human weakness and the consequences of our actions and yeah. all that. So he has a theme that he likes to explore and yes. his films like to be about. And he also obviously prefers to write and direct. But takes a long time in between projects. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> so Todd Field said he wrote the script with Kate Blanchett in mind, which I find is really interesting because that can in some ways limit the scope of the film. If you don't get Kate Blanchett in there, what happens? Does the film not get made? I don't know. Or, or does the actress that ultimately gets cast know that they were the second option? <laughs> and how does that play into the whole experience? Yeah, and also does it change the kind of film that you're making? Mm. But he did get Kate Blanchett, luckily. Did it take 15 years for her to agree? <laughs> is, is that why? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it was quite quick from when she signed on and it got turned around. I think Gosh. I saw an interview where she said about six months really yeah wow i mean when you think about how layered the film is and what she brings to her performance you Mm. think six months doesn't feel like much time at all another thing that's really amazing about her performance is i read there were some time constraints with having the orchestra that they used on board they were going to lose the orchestra at the beginning of the film really quickly and so they had to film all of those scenes First, and Kate Blanchett likes to warm up into her character. So she wanted to do some sort of softer scenes first and kind of find her way and and into Lydia Tarr. But she had to do those incredibly physical performances where she's conducting this orchestra. And we've got to talk about her physicality. My God. Amazing. Honestly, what the hell, woman? So she was really thrown in in the deep end. And of course, you know, Kate Blanchett being Kate Blanchett, of course she rocked it. Oh, can you imagine being confronted by the director saying, you know all those scenes we're going to film, you know, in a couple of months' time? We've got to do them now. Yeah, we're starting the film with them. Wow, gosh. I mean, yeah, her physicality. What did you enjoy most about that? Because there's so much to how she presents yeah. Lydia Tarr physically that you just mesmerised by it. Oh, absolutely. Because when you think of a conductor, you think of somebody just standing there stoically at the front of an orchestra, yep. just waving their arms about. <laughs> she does it with her whole body. Yep. And it doesn't look ridiculous. It's bloody impressive. So true. She's so incredible. And mm. the Oscar buzz is, of course, 
expected. Warranted for sure. I don't think that this performance in this film sits above the others in contention. I think this is probably Michelle Yeoh's year. Yep. I hope it is anyway. Oh, me, me too, me too. You've also got probably going to have Viola Davis because it hasn't been announced yet, but you're probably going to have Viola Davis in there. You're probably going to have Michelle Williams in there for The mm, Fablemans. Mm. All incredible performances. Yeah, what a lineup of extraordinary women. But my money's on Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I think you've got it, but, I mean, Kate will deserve to get this Oscar nomination because mm. it's, it's one of my favourite performances of hers and purely because of how she just goes for it. Mm. She really fucking goes for it yeah and i was obsessed with her physical like the ticks you mm. know how she walks out into the auditorium her breathing rituals the nose flicks that she does yeah the, the constant hand in the pocket I, I loved the scenes where she's at a meal and she's playing with the cutlery and she pushes the crumbs that aren't there mm. off the, the table there's so much to that she's Fills the space. She's never still in the frame. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a deeply troubled, narcissistic freak. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you, it's just all these mannerisms about yeah. her character that's so fascinating to me. I think another level of the character that I found interesting was that she actually has an acute sensitivity to sound, mm -hmm. something called misophonia. Okay. And it's an interesting character trait for a conductor to have. Yeah, wouldn't that be distracting? Yeah. I mean, that's why she doesn't like chip packets opening and she didn't like people chewing near her and mm. it really, really has a visceral reaction for her and you can see that in Kate Blanchett's performance mm. while she's trying to hold herself together. Yes, for as long as she can. Yeah. <laughs> You've also got Nomi Merlant who plays Francesca, which is Lydia Tarr's assistant mm. or an intern, I guess you'd say. Yeah. But she's been promised a big future as a conductor and a chance to show her stuff. But, of course, Lydia just kind of keeps dragging her along, dangling the carrot. And maybe she had a relationship with her at some point too. It, it's implied, yeah. isn't it? This is the thing. It's covering a lot and this is one of those subtext layers mm. to it. And you are convinced, well, I was convinced that at some point yeah. in their relationship they had an affair. They had mm. a relationship. You don't know when, for how long. Was she still with her other partner? Like all these unanswered mm. questions, you just have to fill the blanks. But you got a real sense of every person that Lydia comes into contact with and Francesca is one of them, is that everyone's dispensable. Yes. But they're fighting for her respect at the same time. It's just interesting dynamic. Because of the power she has yes. and what she can do for them. And yep. another one that she does things for, I guess, in the hopes of sexual favours in mm. return, is the character of Olga, played by Sophie Cower, yes. who is a rising cellist who joins the orchestra, but then she's quickly manoeuvred into the first chair position mm. in a very not obvious but also obvious way. Do you know what I mean? She doesn't just put her in the first chair. Mm. She makes everyone vote, but she, she positions it in a way that there's no way she's not going to get it. And everyone's too terrified of her to voice their concern. But you can see in their faces and their reactions, mm. we've seen this before mm -hmm. and we know where it leads and it doesn't end well. So there's all those nuances in not only the script but in the way that mm. the actors are directed that they help you piece the puzzle together without anything being overtly spelt out to mm. you, which is a task. <laughs> yes. But Olga doesn't give her 
what she wants exactly. Mm. She almost manipulates her as much in return and that starts to be her undoing. She starts making mistakes and careless decisions and things like that and Mm. and, uh, the lies come crashing down. They always do. Yeah, they always do spectacularly in this film, let's say. Well, Lee, how about it? Should we wrap up our take on Tar and share our rating? Let's do it. Tar demonstrates that people are messy and complicated but does not excuse it. It simply asks that we understand the artist behind the artistry. However, a lack of introspection about power, abuse and the effects of those did bother me somewhat with this film. Lydia Tar is the architect of her own demise and it's enthralling to watch it play out through fascinating and expectedly stellar performances in this impressive character study from Todd Field. It will be divisive though. Critics love it, but it might not be for all audiences. I'm going to give Tar three and a half popcorn kernels out of five. Well, Tar is a complex character study of how the mighty fall amidst the skill and finesse of a formidable pair in both Todd Field and Kate Blanchett. The film has stayed with me for well over a month since seeing it, trying to figure it all out, which I am yet to do successfully, but I can accept to a certain extent as it is meant to live in your mind and fester and consume, much like Tar was in her own story. This film will not be accessible to many, to our 38-minute runtime and all, and that's okay because it's not trying to be. Todd Field has made another divisive and challenging film right for discussion, which I'm sure you've experienced in our episode yes. today. I'm going to rate Tar 4 Popcorn Kernels out of 5. And please come and discuss it with us. We'd love to hear from you on our socials about this film. Tar is in Australian cinemas from January 26. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. All right, Lee, let's jump into our news and trailer section for the episode because we've got James Cameron who has revealed that the third installment of Avatar will be narrated not by Sam Worthington's Jake Sully, but by his hot-headed middle son, Loak, portrayed by Britton Dalton, the director of what is now the sixth 
highest grossing film of all time, says the next three films will have a different narrator for each one after the first two were narrated by Jake. Yes, so producer John Landau has also shared that Paya Khan, the majestic outcast Tolkien who befriends Loak in the way of water, will return in the next film, where his special connection with Jake and Natiri's son will be further explored. The third Avatar film is currently in post-production, with Cameron said to be tweaking some aspects based on what audiences responded best to in the way of water and obviously they responded very well to Loak and Payakan. Yes. I wonder like are they going to go back in the water and do reshoots and things like to, to capture those new story beats or whatever. It'd be interesting to see what he's mm. tweaking there. Well I mean the next film is meant to be what fire people isn't it so I don't know how much time we're going to spend in the water world anymore. Yeah that's true. They're all heating up a little bit. They'll need to cool off in the water after <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> So the Equalizer's Antoine Fuqua has signed on to direct a Michael Jackson biopic in conjunction with Lionsgate and the late singer's estate with a script from John Logan, who was the writer and director of horror flick They, Them, which I just think is really weird yeah. sort of connection between the two from a story perspective. It's an interesting uh, twist, isn't it? Yeah. I bet you're really excited for this because you're a huge Michael Jackson fan of, of his music, I should say. Yes, 100%. I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous. I'm very excited, though, about the allocation of Antoine as the director. Yeah. Having having said that, mm-hmm. my nerves are kind of settling a little bit. Well, I believe he got his start in music videos, didn't he? A lot of directors do, yeah. don't they? They do. So it makes sense. It's kind of poetic that he starts from that world and then he's directing the king of pop mm. in, in the biopic that we've all been waiting for. So the film is simply titled Michael at this stage and is expected to focus on Jackson's musical accomplishments and career highlights, beginning with the days he fronted the Jackson 5 as a child, while also dealing with the pedophile accusations that dogged his later years right up until his death in 2009 at age 50 from cardiac arrest caused by a cocktail of sedatives. So it's going to span quite a long time. That's really difficult to pull off. Oh, it really is. I mean, a full career, a full life and a lot to touch on. And the next point is where my nerves come from, Lee, because the film is produced by Graham King, who is involved with Bohemian Rhapsody. So will this be the next in a long line of sanitised mm. biopics with the with the pedigree of that producer, especially after the reception to I Want to Dance with Somebody about Winnie Houston and the recently announced Amy Winehouse biopic starring Marissa Abella that is being roasted online at the moment. Have you seen some of the vitriol about this? The first look images have come out and it just looks like she's got this terrible wig on. The costume looks awful. <laughs> it's just not the yeah. right casting choice by the sounds of things, at least – According to the public? I agree. It kind of looks like she's out on Halloween night. Mm. It just doesn't feel authentic. You know, there is a fantastic documentary called Amy out there that everybody should really see from Asif Kapadia. Fantastic Mm. documentary. That's really all you need. Do we really need to go back into this story with Amy Winehouse? Well, see, this is the argument that we have about biopics and letting people rest, whether we need to go in mm-hmm. and reveal their story. But I think it's important for these stories to be told because they've got incredible stories to be told, yeah. no matter what angle you're looking at them. I agree with you completely, but does it need to be told in a fictional entertainment kind of way? Like documentaries cover it really well. 100%. And the, uh, recently we watched over the holidays – Blonde, based on Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> which 
which mixed reviews everywhere, including us, in terms of getting our head around why it's a fictitious take on a historical figure and the mm. convoluted nature of the whole thing. Anyway, yeah. you can listen to our thoughts on Blonde. We cover it off in our Fablemans episode, which is available now to mm. you. So moving on, we've got the first full exciting trailer for Scream 6, which shows a new ghost face has followed the survivors of the last film all the way to New York City. This excites me, this new setting, I have to tell you. Mm. So Chasing Sister Sam, played by Marissa Barrera, and Tara Carpenter, an absolute rising star at the moment in Jenna Ortega, into a convenience store. This ghost face is being built up as unlike any other ghost face we've seen before, even disposing of the store owner with a shotgun in his brutal rampage. Yeah, he seems a little bit more intense. He or she, they seem intense. (laughs) All of the above. Yeah. What do you think about this one? We're going to get two killers. Some people have said maybe there's three. I don't know. I mean, New York's, there's a lot of ground to cover there. Mm. So maybe we'll get our first triple Ghostface killer trio. Who knows? Time will tell. In the trailer, Ghostface also calls Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox, who tells the killer, you know, you're the 10th guy to try this. It never works out well for the guy in the mask. I love that line. That's really, really good. So good. To which Ghostface eerily replies, there's never been one like me, Gail. I love the character of Gail and I'm not ready for her to die if that's her fate in this one, but she's going to put up a pretty mean fight as we can expect. Well, without Nev Campbell returning as Sydney Prescott due to a pay dispute, boo, Gail is the only original cast member left and we must protect her at all costs. (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree. I'm so nervous. Kill everyone else. Keep Gail. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, look, we won't have to wait long to find out the fate of Gail Weathers because Scream 6 is in Australian cinemas from March 9. Now, Tim, here's some news completely out of left field. Channing Tatum of Magic Mike fame is developing a remake of 1990s Ghost. I can see your eyes like rolling around in your head. What's going on? I'm dizzy. (laughs) The original romantic drama stars Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg in her Oscar-winning supporting role and Patrick Swayze as a murdered man whose spirit hangs back from the afterlife to reach out to his bereaved wife through a harassed medium. Now, Ghost took in more than $500 million at the box office Mm. back in 1990, which is just a huge number for that time. But Tatum says of the project, we're going to do something different. I think it needs to change a little bit, referring to some of the poorly aged and problematic stereotypes throughout the film, like Hispanic and black stereotypes and an emotionally manipulative behaviour of Sam, played by Swayze towards Molly that was played by Demi Moore in life. Yeah, he's a bit of a bully in the film before he dies. Like, he's a bit of a dick, Yeah, <laughs> if yeah, you remember. A bit of a dick. <laughs> he's a bit of a dick. So Sam will, I don't know, be painted in a fluffier light? I don't, I don't know. know. We'll see what Tatum's got in store. Yeah, give us two men instead. That'd be great. Now, you, you said that he's developing it. Is he going to play Sam? Is this? Do you see that coming? He'll cast himself in the titular role? Oh. That's kind of what they do, isn't it? But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing Channing Tatum in that role. We'll see what he's got in store for us very soon, no doubt. They would have to change up the storyline because we all know the twist. We all know the big twist in the film. So you can't do that again. Mm. Or could you? Yeah. Because a whole new generation might not have seen it. Well, I think you can do it again that's safer, but you can rewrite the end if you're confident that it's not going to just piss people off or, or, or not reach the sort of impact that the original ending had. It's always a fine line, right? Yeah, because it's so emotional, the end of that film, when he goes off to heaven. 
says goodbye. We'll have to throw it on together and, and re-watch <laughs> closer to the release of the remake. We'll do some pottery and throw it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not quite as depicted in the film, but whatever. Hey. You only live once. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. We were talking about Tar, which is in Australian cinemas from January 26th. And as always, friends, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.